Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach and the president of Dynamic Leader Incorporated. I have a very special guest with me today. I, uh, you know, a, a lot of people reach out and they're like offering themselves to be on my show these days. And um, I get to be a little selective. And it's great when I am presented with someone, with people who are aligned in terms of how do we get better? How do we become more mindful about our lives and how do we show up as better leaders and when i learned about eric holsapel i i wanted to to know more and so i said yes and um i might have just not said his last name right and so <laughs> holsapel close enough <laughs> Close enough. Eric Holzapple. Uh, please, please, uh, just like, yay. Welcome to the show. Uh, I appreciate you being here, Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. P. Yay. Really appreciate it. It's really great. So you've got this whole thing that you're doing now around leadership and it's not just leadership you take people through a full-on program about how to be more mindful in leadership um and, and that appeals to me because i'm really looking at uh how to create a culture of caring out there and i believe that starts with leaders who understand who they are and understand that mm -hmm. the people that work with them are human. So talk a little bit about your work. And then I want to wind back the clock and talk a little bit about how you got to do the work that you're doing now. Yeah. Um, well, our feature program is a nine month program. It's a deep dive and it starts pretty shallow. Most assuming people haven't had any experience in mindfulness. And we start with two minutes of uh, meditation and some gratitude and those kind of things and work out and then after a couple of months, you know, the mind starts to settle down a little bit. We start to get a little more focused. And then we start working on blind spots, you know, uh, strengths and weaknesses, sabotages, and purpose. You know, what is, uh, we always say, you know, I can't get motivated or I can't get my team motivated. And I've really found that as ties directly to purpose, that if someone, and, and I think leadership's the same. If you find people stepping into leadership that you wouldn't least expect it when they're motivated by purpose, when they find out who they truly are and something they really care about and feel like they can make a difference on. So right now, and, uh, you know, we're talking about meaning of their lives and, and purpose, inner purpose, outer purpose. Inner purpose is really, you know, to wake up, to realize that I'm a conscious being, that I have, I have uh, you know, things outside my body that I have access to. 
waking up to that. And then can I take that to what I do? Can I take that to my various roles of parenthood and work, coaching and athletics or whatever? And that I find that to be in the zone, you know, when I can have when I can experience my inside world and the outside world at the same time. Uh, That's in sports. The most, you know, common uh, reference of that is when an athlete is in the zone. They're, they're, They're just totally present. And I've I've really found ways to do that, not 24-7 and not all day, but I know ways to do that at work. You know, how can we be in the zone at work and not I just think it's a terrible waste to work all day so that we can have a life when we're outside of work. So we work really hard on finding ourselves uh, present at work. And then how do we turn that focus, that flashlight off at work and on our home life when we go home at night? And be present there and not constantly dragged back in because we're so, you know, it's really over a long time that people just start noticing, noticing what's noticing and noticing all the distractions that are out there. We just pulled the business is so beautiful at pulling us in every direction. Every slice of our attention is grabbed somewhere and we can we can multitask, man. We can't focus on all those things at once. So we have to decide choose through purpose what we want to focus on then we create a new vision for ourselves and you know are live into that launch into that the whole time creating habits because i believe you are your habits you know and your self-concept and your habits are or who you end up being so you have to you know most of us <laughs> need to uh extinguish some bad habits and foster some new ones because I've just found we can have the greatest vision in the world and the greatest commitment and the intellectual understanding. But if our habits are amiss in it, if our habits are, you know, not aligned, we don't have much of a chance. But if I can align my habits with my cons, my concept, my self-concept and what I really want with my life, then I got a real chance. I can I can wire all my operating systems, the ones that are on and the ones that are off. You know, that aren't totally conscious right at the moment. I can align them all towards a vision rather than having them sabotage me when I'm not paying attention at that moment, you know, when I'm off my game, which is, you know, a good part of the day. So this is it's interesting. And and just in a few moments, you've said probably six months worth of material. So, yes, exactly. That was uh, so I want to back it up a little bit because and I've been taking notes as you've been talking. Um, you, You didn't use the word integration of work and life because uh, you could have yeah um because and and so that's what i'm saying uh that's why i'm bringing that word back is to say you really mindfulness is about work is about the the integration of work and life and recognizing that it's life that you're not yeah. you know and it's real presence and to back up where you started to go all the way back to where you started and talk about okay so the program is nine months um what you said at the very beginning was sometimes it's it's you'll take two minutes of gratitude and meditation and that a lot of people haven't even experienced that and so you know assuming that our audience members know what gratitude is or know what meditation Mm -hmm. is but they don't really do it because (laughs) knowing it and doing it are very different sometimes Definitely. What would you say is a great way? Because this is all about when you talk about mindfulness um, and mindful leadership, the more mindful you are as a human and recognizing 
it's not just integrating work and life, it's integrating life. And it's not just integrating internal and external, um, or it's not living dually, it's living in this integrated way. Um, do you have ideas for how people can just start? Like, what would you say to someone who's listening who goes, oh, you know what, if I get, if I get this, it might be, it might make sense to do the next step. Yeah, I think it starts with an intention, you know, to be more mindful and then to start noticing and then pick up something. I mean, uh, what does it mean? Let's let's go to yeah. the, to the very basics, Eric. Let's what do does it. it mean when people say and uh, I mean, you and I know what mindfulness is. But, and my guess is that we might even have different definitions of it because it's. Yeah. It's kind of personal too, right? The the experience well, of mindfulness is kind of personal. I I focus on professionals. I feel my niche is not, you know, there's people that are more steeped in mindfulness practices, Eastern traditions, all that than I am. Where I feel that I've I'm carving a path is that I've found ways to do it at work. And I believe so. I, I boil it down very, very succinctly. Mindful, my mind is full of what I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> focus. Mindfulness is focus. Can I focus on what I choose to focus on to the exclusion of all the other opportunities out there? Because there's a world, there's a plethora of things going on in the landscape at any one time. And what I choose to focus on. And then can I just notice when I'm there and when I go away? Can I come back to it? Can I notice when I'm there and when I go away? So I, I try to keep it really, I mean, there's, there's, you know, $10 sentences about mindfulness, you know, and it's all great. And, and all the things in there, non-judgment, compassion, all those things, they allow you to focus better. Yes. Because if I'm judging something, I'm not focused. I've made a decision already. So can I focus and pay attention to something? It is is primarily what we do. And we do it in small slices because we're not used to it. We're used to thriving on distraction. We love to be distracted. Uh, so we, we've, we've got the habit of not being present. So to get a habit, I believe you start small, a couple of minutes of some practice that is training my focus. And it's more like a training a puppy. Than uh, anything else I can describe. It's, you know, the puppy keeps getting off the newspaper. I grab the puppy, my mind, and put it back on the newspaper. It runs off the newspaper. I grab the puppy and put it back on the newspaper. You know, not for an hour, two minutes. And then I go do something else, you know. And then I start noticing. And over time, my mind calms down a little bit. And I one, I become more efficient because I'm more focused. I have more time. And also, I crave more because... In those gaps between thoughts, when one thought stops, another one starts, is where peace and joy and harmony exist. Stress and anxiety lift in, in what we think about things, not in what actually happens. You know, so we start to notice and get a little bit of a separation, just a little glimpse of a separation between our thoughts and who we really are. You know, watching the watcher of the thoughts, the noticer of the thoughts, the noticer of the sight those things. And then that's a game changer. When you get to that, when you get that, that's just a start, but that's a taste of something that you go, gosh, oh, that, felt, that, that felt really good. 
That's huge. When you, uh, you know, um, it was Fritz Perls, uh, back in the late fifties, early sixties, he was the founder of Gestalt psychology. He talked about actor observer. Yeah. And so being in that space and other people have written about it, certainly. Um, Mm -hmm. But to be in a place of I'm in the moment and I'm watching myself in in the moment, um, that's not a distraction. That's actually a very heightened level of presence. Um, I I just I think that's an amazing place to be. And it starts with can you spend two minutes just being in the moment? Can you spend two minutes just in a space of focus? And as you said, if the puppy goes off the paper, if your mind goes off of that thing you're focused on, bring it right back. Just bring it right back. Just notice. Just start yeah. noticing. And then you notice it throughout the day. Start noticing. You know, yeah. sorry, sorry, Dr. B. I wasn't really here for that. Could you repeat it? Yeah, you know? very nice. <laughs> I was I was off somewhere on another journey. Very you know? nice. Yeah. Because what what about and then what a gift that is when you're talking with someone and i start training people at work because i think it's just more applicable but when you're talking to somebody and have them feel like you're really listening to them to yes. hear what they're saying not not to preparing what i'm going to respond to but and actually acknowledging what, that, yeah right? acknowledging yes that. and rather than just always preparing for the next thing i'm going to say to fill the space to, god forbid there be a silence to fill it and then you know always training at work and then you go home and you go your your wife or husband go wow you thanks, and for I both, thanks for thanks for listening. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that kind of presence is such a gift. Uh, I, I was going to say, you and I both did something ahead of the recording that ensured a little bit more presence that we'd each give each other, and that was we shut off our phones, yeah. and that's a deliberate act. It's a deliberate act, like. What does it take? You know, I've stopped wearing the uh, any kind of electronic watch. I usually have an analog watch on. Um, and that that came from, you know, I used to have the, the watch that would send me alerts. You know, I was an Apple watch oh. and I thought it was great because tech and I could get all my things. And I'd be talking to my wife and clearing a message and talking to my wife and clearing a message. And at one point she goes, do you have somewhere to be? I'm like, <laughs> what? She goes, you're, you know, you're involved they're, with. They're our best with, teachers. They're our yeah, best teachers. Right? Their wives and kids are our best teachers. Yeah. Oh. She was like, you're involved with your imaginary friends. And I'm like, what? They're not imagine. Oh. And it was at that point I made the choice to, you know, from Thursday evening, I was going to train myself to not wear the watch all day Friday and all weekend. And at that point, it was like I don't so, actually need. So I went. I went back to an analog watch. Yeah, last I, year I, because I, I found I went. I thought I was celebrating that I've gone to one thing, my phone. But I found that I'd look to see what time it was, and then I would go down a rabbit hole. Right. You know, every time I want to see a phone, oh, there's so and so texted, blah blah, yeah. blah, and I'd go into that thing. So yeah, it's a. It's an it's a practice itself. The other thing I'd say when you say the phone thing is that's what we try to do at meetings. You know, is is uh, meetings aren't productive. They're they're too long at work. People are so distracted. So we try to say, could we could we shorten it and just be here? If you got something else to do, go do it. 
you know. I love that. <laughs> but here we're gonna we're gonna meet instead of an hour, it's 30 minutes. You know, if you gotta take a call, please excuse yourself. We're gonna try to shut the screens down and talk to each other. You know, we have permission to do a little centering before we do it. And you know, let's have a meeting, let's get out the meet. And right. uh and then go do the next thing we got to do. So that, what a that, great that, commitment. That, that email will wait a half an hour, an hour, a day. Yeah. It'll wait. <laughs> yeah. I just had a uh, I had lunch with a with a bank president with somebody I've interviewed on my show. And uh we had it was breakfast. We had breakfast together and he he was talking about reflecting on his years as a bank president. And he said one of the things that he did was remind his team we're a bank it's not life or death for many people any of the decisions like let's just get done what we need to get done and have a good time doing it and remember that we're here to serve people and i think for any business isn't that great it's like what a great message well one of the other you know gifts of being a little more uh present at work is noticing how much we discount people that we work with. You know, I found myself getting to know enough about people and enough little conversation to get what I needed, you know, and then I move on. If I don't need something, I don't even know they're there to, you know, actually realizing they're actually people with hopes and dreams and families, just like you and I are. And they deserve to be, you know, noticed and recognized and good morning. You know, one of the practices we have is, you know, for leaders, especially when you go in the office in the morning, but before you get going and just in your trance with your screens, walk around the office. You know, walk around the office once, just notice who's there, say hello, and then go back in and, and do. But, uh, you know, be, be notice people. I think this message is so important. And it's whether you're in a leadership role or whether you're in a support role, you can be a leader by doing exactly that, that you mm-hmm. walk around, that you are connecting human to human, that you're reminding people, like one of the, the greatest gifts that a leader can give, and this is, it doesn't matter what your title is, you are, if you do this, you are a leader, is to remind other people of their strengths and of their humanity. and like remind them of the things that they've forgotten about who they are. And we've just... got uh, one of the ones in our mindful leadership program now is, is tasked for the last month. We've just been, you know, noticing the significance of those around them. Yes. You know, we get, we get so that we such a, have a high self. Uh, many of us leaders get so that we have a high self sense of ourselves, you know, of our own value that everyone's around to serve us. <laughs> You know, because we've got such important things to deliver on. Right. Uh, but we don't actually recognize, and for him, it's been going back and recognize the significance. It started at work, but then he's noticed, you know, how he does that with his wife. And uh, yeah. it's been quite transformative um, to notice all the significant things that she does for the family in the day. Uh, I think that's that's so huge. And even to do it. When you're out in the community, you know, do it at the oh. when you're when you're buying your next groceries, coffee, whatever it is. Notice the notice the other person. You and know, I think that's one of the reasons I got into this work originally was uh, 
just running at 150 miles an hour. Well, let's you know, talk about that. Boom, let's boom, talk boom, about boom. your journey. Where did you where did you start? Because you you're based in Denver or just outside of Denver now. Yeah, I started where, in I'm in a little town in Maine. I grew up oh. a little little town in Maine. My dad was a football coach, and I uh, came out to Colorado during college, and ended up going through get an MBA, and hopped out into a real estate job, and I was immediately successful. You know, I was uh, within a I was a manager within a couple of years, uh, president of a North American division for an Australian company. This was back in the 80s, you know, when the Japanese were invading the country and with buying all the real estate owned 60 percent of downtown Los Angeles. Well, there were other places. The Australians weren't far behind them. They were just smaller, <laughs> but they were buying things. And uh, so I'd been an athlete and you know, love sports and all those things. But I uh, went into a business career and it was 70, 80 hours a week, you know, and when you work for on the other side of the globe at six at night, when you check it out of the office, you got on the phone with them. And uh, I found that I was just on a treadmill. I was outwardly very successful. I had the title, I had the Mercedes, the apartment, all the stuff, but inside I was dying. Mm. You know, I was overweight. I wasn't doing any exercise. I was single. I was drinking too much. Those things. So I got a transfer to Boston. They had a New York Stock Exchange company in Boston, and they got in trouble with it and uh, sent me to Boston. The best news was there were enough problems in town. I didn't have to travel because the week before, I think I traveled 50 out of 52 weeks, mm. you know. But uh, so I was in town. I had to go back and forth to New York, but that was a day trip on on the shuttle. Um and uh, got a nice apartment on the on Boston Harbor, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go get a scale. <laughs> I hadn't where I was hanging out. There weren't any scales in the bars I was hanging out in, so I went and got a scale. I stepped on that, and I knew I was having like I couldn't get my tie done, and I couldn't get my belt quite buckled, but I wasn't giving up. You know, I wasn't going buying new stuff yet because it just wasn't there. But I stepped on that thing, and it was like a shock. I looked at it, and I go. I remember looking in the mirror and having that aha moment of going, you got to make some changes and you're not going to be around very long. And I'd had some chest pains when I was in my early thirties. Mm. Uh, and that moment was a snap and I just went, okay, I'm going to make some changes. I worked to leave in that job. I lost some weight. I uh, started running again. I'd been an track person, you know, and I hadn't run in five years and I started doing that again. And somehow I stumbled on yoga. I don't know how. I didn't know anybody that did yoga. I'd never been to a yoga class. That wasn't, this was uh, 1990 or something, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't all over in every corner like it is today. Right. I started with a DVD and uh, it was a game changer. I'd become disconnected from my body. It was like Ken Robinson, the author said, uh, my body was something that took my head from meeting to meeting. You know, I just got, I started noticing through awareness through my body. That was a game changer. And then uh, I mentioned my dad was a football coach. My oldest brother was a poet and they were like oil and water. Hmm. <laughs> he was estranged for the family when he, you know, he did what my dad said, grew cuts, played football, but, you know, after graduation, he left, you know? So I watched my brother took up meditation. He and I were close. He was one of my mentors. And I took he took up meditation, and I noticed him come back to the family. And then he opened up to my dad. My dad opened up. 
they started talking and my dad didn't change a lick. He was in his seventies. He was, you know, an authoritarian football coach. You'll do it this way. And, uh, it was the first time I'd seen one person change, change the whole world, change my world. You know, I got my family back. You know, anybody's had a, anything estranged like that or people within the family, not. And, and most of our families are dysfunctional, just as varying degrees. Uh, so he said, do you want to try it? I said, yeah, I'll try it. And it was a game changer for me immediately. And I, I started a practice and I'm a pretty disciplined person. So I just started it with a morning yoga and meditation practice. And but for years, I didn't come out. You know, I kept it to myself. I wasn't running around a business meeting saying I'm doing yoga and meditation. I mean, most people didn't ever even heard of it back then. Uh, so I just did it myself for years and years, a little bit at a time. But I, I was disciplined. I had a, a practice doing it. I'd gone back and gotten a PhD in economics, do that, went back out into business. And one by one. People just started noticing me change and asking me, you know, what are you doing? What's this? What would you do in this situation? Historically, I wouldn't have, I was going at such a speed, I wouldn't even notice you had a problem or that you even wanted to talk to me because I was just going to the charge in the next hill, you know? How are we going to build that shopping center? How are we going to do yeah. this? Let's do that. And I still have that, but I started being someone that could slow down enough. So we started a seed group at the company. Myself and another fellow where we once a month sit down, read a book, work on, we didn't call it meditation. We called it centering. Before I knew it, the room was full. People that were interested in getting to know each other, slowed down a little bit and learning some new things. Business people, top business people. I was teaching at the university part-time too uh, and just met these kids that would come as an internship and then start in the company. They're brilliant people. Then we ended up bringing in mindful-based stress reduction, an eight-week program, you know, for the whole staff. And then uh, the management team got together. I was one of the facilitators. And then they renamed the vision statement to Mindfully Creating Community. Wow. Which was a game changer because it gave everybody permission on the clock. Yes, it did. To be mindful and to everybody's involved in nonprofit work. We took some company. I mean, I had been a big thing in that because I was teaching and doing a bunch of other things in addition to business. Um, so anyway, I just saw such great results. I ended up starting a nonprofit called Living in the Gap and uh, training other professionals and then wrote a book uh, to try to, you know, share the message with the business community that it's a, it's a, it's a business culture and it's a business strategy. That's it's excellent. a different way that, that cannot just change your business. It changes lives, changes communities. I, um, it is so good. I uh, to go to judgment for a second. I love that so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that judgment. <laughs> you are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. 
exploreexponentialsuccesssummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.exponentialsuccesssummit.com. One of the key pieces that that is a side benefit that most people don't get about meditation, about being centered, is that when you change yourself, when you really drop into yourself, you can't help but change the nature of the relationship that you have with the people around you. I, uh, I have a saying, one, med- one meditator changes a household. Absolutely. You know, everybody, yes. People start and they say, geez, my husband or wife would just do this. They should. And I want to say, well, hold on. They don't yeah. need to do it. Only one person needs to do it. It's you. They might choose to. They choose to. It's because they see a change in you. <laughs> Ex- that's exactly right. Be that person. Be the, you know, what I call the beacon of light. Be that person. Well, it's like my brother changed our family. He was the yeah. only one doing it. He changed the whole family. You know, he opened it up. And that's that's the whole thing. We are we're in such a fast paced society right now. And you said, um, you know, it's easy to multitask and I'm brilliant at it. Well, I'm gonna, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that I use that's different from multitasking and I learned it years ago and it's toggle tasking. Cause the truth is we're terrible at multitasking. We toggle task, which is oh, I do oh, one oh, thing, oh. then the other, then the other, then the other, and the reset, the yeah. brain reset. It takes a lot of energy. So yeah. if you're if you're distracted and then you got to come back and focus, and you're distracted and you come back and focus, it takes a lot of energy to do that. Yeah. And so to be in a place of I'm centered. I choose this. Another thought comes in. I acknowledge it. I'll just park it. I'm present. I'm doing this. Um, and what a difference that makes in in your household, in your oh, meetings. Totally. Like, I mean, for one of the things that that I challenge my leaders to do is, when was the last time you noticed the color of the person's eyes that you actually sat next to in a meeting? I'd, I'd, I'd fail that one. You know, <laughs> I would fail that one. That's a good one. Yeah, it's the, it's like, like, so I've got, I've got an Oxford talk and it talks about, you know, how about, how about, uh, I see you before, how are you? Hey, how are you? And it's like, that doesn't do anything. I got one. I got one that I I noticed. We we do the first couple of months of our program. You can't talk about careers, business people. We don't allow them to talk about what they do. That's so good. I say, what we're trying to do is bring who we are to what we do, not what we do to who we are. You sit on a plane. Do you want to do it to sit on the plane? The first thing is, what do you do? Yeah. And it hijacks the whole conversation. You never, then all of a sudden the hierarchy is set up and the conversations goes just like this direction. And it's the most meaningless thing usually you can imagine. Versus, you know, we don't ever get to know who somebody really is. I have a, I have a playful thing that I learned uh, a while back also. And I love this. And that instead of starting with, well, what do you do? It's like, what's your favorite sandwich and where'd you get it? <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? Because it's like, yeah. oh, favorite. Well, well and it's this place, right? And it puts you back in a in a particular time and place where you were well, when you had it. And 
What it's I do, the is I, I kind of ask somebody if they're going home or going home or leaving home and then try to dig into where they're from and that kind of stuff a little bit, you know, it's uh, so good because it's just so uh, we, we've become so hierarchical in our business Yes, that it's that it's, you know, we say, well, you're not your job. You have a job, you know, you're Can, not you, your who, job. You have a job. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, right? dude, who do you, who do you want to be? Because really, if you're the same person, if you can't, you know, a clerk at a grocery, my mother taught me this because she was one of the most enlightened people I'd ever known. You can be the clerk at the grocery store and change somebody's life, you know, (laughs) you know, and you can be a, you can be the CEO of whatever, you know, and, and cause damage. Yes. Who who do you want to be? It's such a great question. And, and that is, it's like, what do you want for and in your own life? You know, and that is everything from finances to relationships to location. You know, what do you want? And, th- and then who do you need to be or who do you want to be to have all those things? Like that's I, I, the, that's I train, the personal change. I train part. leaders, I train leaders to be more and do less. Nice. You know, don't yeah. be a doer, be be more. And then, you know, have a checklist of all the things that only you can do, because then you can create some space, you know, if, if because you need to create some space to be accessible, to let things calm down a little bit, to be able to focus and strategize. But, you know, what can only you do? And then how do you just be more for the for, for the company? How does somebody know that you're accessible? How could somebody walk up and talk to you? You know, if they had some great idea for the company or some tragedy that's happened, are you the one that they're afraid to tell? You know, mm. hoping nobody finds out? Or are you open enough that they know you'd come in and say, let's go figure out how to fix that? You know? Yeah. Let's go get that handle that. Yeah. I, I, you and I have both, I, I, I don't know, I'm assuming, you and I have both met our share of leaders who are, um, they're living in positional power exactly right because of their position they become inaccessible instead of because of their position they are the most accessible and that's so important right are yeah afraid the great the best the best leaders are have have some humility you know they realize they get their self-esteem from their humility they don't uh get their self-esteem from their position you know That they, Very true. It's funny. I, I had a, we had a, a an assistant one time. I was calling him the trash Bible. It was overflowing. It was just overflowing in the lunchroom. And I went up to her and I said, "Hey, that trash bag is overflowing." And she said to me, "Yeah, would you mind taking it out?" <laughs> I said, <laughs> I gulped for a second and I go, "No." But then I said, "Where does it go?" <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I had to figure out where the dumpster was. And I did it. And I and she's still with us. So she was, I said, what an amazing person. Yeah, would you mind taking it out? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> that's so that's so good. That's so it is, good. it is good. It was very humbling. I needed it. That's really good. I I ran a hospital-based institution many, many years ago. And one of the things that I would do 
on my calendar was to schedule what I call DOTF, uh, day on the floor. Oh, awesome. Management and by walking around. MBWA, right. Management yeah. by wandering around. Um, and for me, it was truly day on the floor because I'd show up in jeans and a t-shirt instead of, you know, my suit as the administrator, uh, jeans and a t-shirt. I walk up to one of the, just one of the line staff and I'd go, look, today I'm working for you. What are we doing? And, and they'd be like, what do you mean? Be like, what do you do? What, what does your day hold and how can I support you? Yeah. I need yeah. to learn what, you know, what you do and how you do it so that maybe I can help make your day easier. And we'd be mopping floors, we'd be changing yeah, awesome. beds, we'd be, yeah, all those change things. Change your perspective. Totally. And change theirs, because as soon as they found out I was doing that, they're, <laughs> they were like, it's my day with you, it's my day with you. Well, you awesome. became you became human, too, for them. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like uh, they're becoming human for you, you become yeah. human for them. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. This is great. You want to talk about the 12 pillars? You, uh, you know, the, sure. you, you've got, yeah, your... I can do it. Yeah. There's, there's, there's three of the 12 pillars that are, I'd call them foundational. Uh, first one is uh, be present and practice mindfulness. And anybody that accomplishes something I found uh, this lasting, at least, you know, from artists to musicians to athletes, they have a practice. They practice it. You know, you can go Gladwell's 10,000 hours or whatever it is, but it's practice. Masters practice things. So be present and practice mindfulness. You know, there are various things that you can do. Everybody doesn't have to meditate. It's very effective, but but there are other means. But find something that's a practice and do it. Uh, second one is identify your purpose in life. We've talked about that a little bit already, but purpose is just huge. Um, if, and most of us, you know, I taught at university for 20 years, mostly seniors, uh, that came out and I, I can't remember how many discussions, but there are many, the seniors would come in and say, why are you here? And they'd say, well, mom and dad said it was engineering or business and they'd pay for it. I really don't know why I'm here, you know? And I say, well, next out is, uh, you know, job, marriage, house, Mortgage, you're going to wake up and you're 50, <clears throat> you know, so you might spend a little bit of time just figuring out, you know, mom and dad did what they did and they're very appreciative for it. But what you want and who you are, you know, and they'll survive if you tell them, <laughs> you know, it's not this, it's that they'll they might not be upset, but they'll survive, <laughs> you know, but if you finding your purpose is just so huge to motivation and success, if you if you're operating in something about who you truly are, it's not a job. No, you get up and just like go, you know, it's like, I just assume be in the offices, be, you know, but I'm a skier. It's not, that's actually a lie. I'd rather be skiing, but I like being in the office <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Eric, I, I have this belief about purpose and it is that two things. One, when you say, go find your purpose, you do that through action. You don't wait for it. I'm going to yeah. wait until I understand yeah, totally the twilight, right? Yeah. And it's sort of like, so go try different things. The other thing is, is um, you're in your purpose. Like the being is the purpose. Like be, purpose. 
You Eckhart, know? Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, you're in a purpose. Yeah. You know, it's, it's finding out who you truly are. And, and, and then, then I, have, I have one more that place. I add to that, yeah. which is listen to the whispers. Like, are you being pushed? And that's probably some authority yeah. here. Or if you listen to that thing you've put off, it's almost like a tug oh. from your heart area. Like, I've got well, to, uh, I want to explore this. I, I really like, I'm drawn toward this, that. Cultures, cultures is ingrained whispers in us, you know, from schools, families to schools to governments, you know, we, we've become. Those are the shoulds. Those aren't the necessarily the inner whispers, like All right. listen to the whispers. Like, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with that modality that you're talking about. I have, I'm familiar with inner voice, but what I found is that people have found their purpose has been given to them by what, by their shoulds, you know, yeah. You should get your you you gotta go to this college. You gotta get this job. You do the marriage. You need the family is what you're supposed to be doing. Blah blah blah. And haven't taken the time to say all that's good. It's gotten me this far, and I'm not in a bad spot. But what do I see from here? Am I going to take control of this? And that's that's the piece for me. Go next, right? Is all the shoulds? That's somebody else's voice. That's somebody else's voice. That's the authority. Right. What's the inner draw? Like, you know, yeah. it's where, and, for example, what, what brother, whispers have we ignored? So you're, let's go to your brother, right? Yeah. He was the artist. Yes. Poet. Poet. So, you know, you're supposed to be an athlete. You're supposed to be an engineer. You're supposed yeah. to be all these things. And he goes, I'm no, a poet. I'm a poet because yeah. that's what I'm drawn toward. And your parents may or may not have lost their minds. You they know. lost their minds. My dad and, lost his mind. And and, and everybody lived. And and should yeah. they have chosen not to? That's their choice. But your brother lived truly into his purpose. You, you know, you did athletics and still do. You you did yoga and still do. Yeah. You you did business and still do. And at the same time, you took all of that and you said, and this is what it looks like. This is my life purpose, like, is to awaken so, others. I think that's cool. So let's see if this aligns with your whispers. Is So what we, what we train people is to get their affirmations from here, from yes. inside, not yes. from outside. We've yes. had, you know, we've been, oh, what a boy, attaboy, way to go. We got an A, did this, you know, all we grow up. We've been trained to, you know, Pavlov's dog of of uh, drool when we get the, when the bell goes off. Well, so how can we turn that and then start listening to ourselves? Because culture yes. is never going to be happy with us. You know, culture is going to say this is the path, and in order to find to live a purpose, I, I our goal is to have a soul driven life. You know, to find our soul and to have it direct our ship. Um, to have that, I have to take get my affirmation from inside and not look for everybody out of boy, you know, thing or even a mindfulness practice. I mean, it's still much less accepted than than more accepted. I mean, I love the thing I love about mindfulness and meditation is there's no way to get external affirmation. Great job meditating there. Yeah, it's like yeah. that doesn't happen. Well, it is easy no. to get laughed at. It's easy to get laughed at. That's why I tell people to keep it a secret until you're sure with your practice. You don't have to share it. 
you well, know, stay well, in the stay in the basement and do it. And then when you feel when you know the results you've gotten, you can't get knocked off your game. And if you feel like sharing it, do. But do it well, for yourself. It's about you know, and I think you and I are saying pretty much the same thing here, which is the internal affirmation. When you stop seeking external affirmation, uh, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be in a place of, am I good enough? Because at that point you go, I, of course I'm good enough. Like that's, this is me. I'm doing, I'm living my life now. And that's the work, like to get to that place of God, God made me. How dare you? Of course I'm enough. I'm perfect. You know, here I am. Exactly. You know, I'm perfect is exactly right. I'm perfect. <laughs> so, and I, 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 I like the idea of yeah. Well, and people, people will yeah about that with well, I have these flaws, and they'll start to list them, and it's like then those are okay. perfect flaws. Accept them. Right, they're perfect flaws. Otherwise, everybody'd be identical. How boring <laughs> would the world be? It's great. So those first two pillars. Uh, Create clarity. The third yeah. pillar is create clarity, vision, intention, commitment, and habits. So we need clarity to set our own vision to make sure it's our own unique vision, not culture's vision of you know what we should be doing or our parents' vision, but our vision of it. What do we want to create, and then how do we live in it? You know, I find uh, I can train myself with habits. We are our habits, I believe. And I can train myself, my operating systems, that when I'm offline, you know, not not focused, it can still work towards my vision. But it's my habits that are are required for that. So I said, but I have intention. Intention is at the subatomic level. It just moves things. My intentional things. It just moves things subatomically that you can't see on the surface. But it moves everything towards a goal if I'm living on purpose versus living on accident. You know, where it's just all hairy, scary. But once I get focused on that, then I can move it. Now, commitment and habits work together. I got to have the commitments to form the habits. But then the habits also support commitments. So when I get offline, when I get the virus, when I, you know, go on vacation, when the crap hits the fan or whatever, and I get off my game a little, my commitment gets me back on. Daily, my habits are there. But if I have commitment and habits that aren't aligned, I don't have much of a chance of fulfilling. Why didn't I commit to doing that? Why didn't I do it? Well, because we're habitual creatures. Some 95, 96% of the next action we take is just based on our past actions. You know, so, but we can over time, and I, I believe it takes time. I don't think there's an instant fix. We're all looking for a quick fix, and I don't think this is this quick. But if we can get our habits and our commitments aligned and our visions aligned, intentions aligned with clarity, we got a shot yeah. and just have a fantastic life. You know, of really, despite all the ups and downs and everything else with some clarity, we can have we can move towards a life that's just, you know, unimaginable almost. That's, uh, you know, wonderful in the face of adversity. So that's been my experience, and the the rest of the pillars are more or less mindset. You know, different mindsets of gratitude and service, and not taking things personally, and they, you know, they're training kind of things within those the foundational pillars. But really, pay a lot of attention to your habits. You know, and that takes some. That's where mindfulness comes in because habits are are by des, by design and by definition unconscious. 
they're just going True. and you need some you need to bring some consciousness this flashlight on to say what am i real well i didn't even know i did that you know and what habits such as thinking overthinking's a habit anger's a habit you know that's great judgment's a habit all these kind of things not just going to the gym and you know taking a walk or or smoking and drinking there's all kinds of habits to pay attention to and to train ourselves but we are trainable it takes some effort and i'm not again i don't think it's you have to be perfect you know i don't think that's even a thing and certainly not what i aspire to well but i do aspire yeah i do aspire to a vision you know and i see more for the world than what we have that's so good. You know, I, I really, I really see more for it. And when motivation for the book was saying, "Hey, business world, you can make a bigger difference. Still make money, still make profit. Profit's not your purpose. Profit's a result of a purpose-driven organization. It's a result of that, not the purpose itself. But and it's necessary. It's required. I love capitalism, and capitalism could do with a higher dose of consciousness." And it would it would write its ship because if we, Cap, when you when you can do more, you need to do more. You know, when you can give and be grateful and do those things and notice other people and be compassionate. Capitalism is a wonderful system. It's so flexible. It's so creative. I'm a real estate man. I love to create things. You know, uh, so I don't I don't want any other system. But I would love it if our system was a little more conscious and and the business community would kick the other politicians in the pants and say, hey, just move us, would you? Here's the goal. Here's the here's the guardrails. Okay, compromise and move us. So true. Because we're about moving the world, and we can't move. You know, through the mountain, we we're gonna have to go over it or around it, something. But we we need you to help remove it. And I think the business community, in the end, when it starts hitting profits enough and they get fed up, are the ones that'll kick, kick the can, will will kick the people and say, "Hey, enough, enough." I think we're close to that. I think we're really close. Well, to that. I'm amazed how how resilient the economy is in the face of gridlock. You know, in the face of all the divisiveness and disagreement. I think it's in spite of right. I think it's yeah. What could it be? What could it be if if we got aligned? I mean, we could we could change the whole earth change the whole world if so we true. were a little more conscious and you know but you can't do it on you can't do it in a silo no which is what a great paradox right the the whole mindfulness piece is so individual right observe yourself observe your habits observe your your style observe your reactions versus chosen responses observe that's mindfulness um be in that moment and and that's by definition a, a personal silo and then you get a group of mindful people who affect others who affect others who affect others and you can't like you can't help but change those around you um unless there's an imposition of a silo and that's that's uh yeah the 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 intention has to be that we move beyond that that we connect absolutely right absolutely yeah, yeah. We're, we're born to connect true i mean very true we love to connect we don't want to be silos connect we, we, and acknowledge you no know, and that's a that's a dysfunction of the mind 
It's, it's you know, again, isolation is a dysfunction of the mind. So true. That's the that's the I see you piece before. Hey, how are you? You know, it's it's so easy to go. Hey, how are you? Fine, fine, good, good. Done my part. It's like no, no. I see you. I'm gonna take an extra six seconds just to say. I see. Yeah, that's where it starts. I mean, right? yeah. it all starts with each one. Of it. If each one of us just took a little bit of responsibility on and move, just decided we're going to move the needle a little bit, this thing would move. So, true. you know, but it, but if we're waiting for the other in Washington to get it straightened out, you know, Wall Street to get it straightened out. No, nope. it starts you know, with one. The, the UN to get it straightened out. It just, you got to just, this, you know, work on yourself. And, and as you have, and as you get, and as you have opportunity, share. You know, share what you the, share what you found. It's so true, so good. No, it the for me, it's the it starts with one. It starts with an accountable eye, and then you get a group of accountable well, people. And right? the and the beauty of it is, is that you change you you change the whole world when you change yourself. You change your perception of it. You know, and you also change how you act, and that changes how other people act towards you. Very, very. You know, true. so my brother's example again is one person changes the world. Yes. You know, your world it changes it. You yeah. you don't you you see what you look for out there. You start looking for things to be grateful for. You see them. You know, you start looking for people to see. They start noticing you. They start seeing you. So true. And it's, and they you start listening to people, they start listening to you. And to be seen and heard, that's better than any pile of gold you're gonna find. You this know? is that and and that is gold. I uh I want to wrap at this point because I right. like that is so so powerful and so positive. Um, Eric, tell me, tell us. Uh, your program is called, I'm looking down at my notes. The program is called 12 pillars of mindful leadership. The book is called profit with presence and your website is called living in the gap.com. Is that all? Dot org. It's a nonprofit yeah. oh, living in the gap spelled out. Dot org. Living in the gap. And in that, yeah, there's uh, all kinds of free resources about how to get started. Blog posts. A description of any programs we have. You can sign up for a quarterly newsletter, uh, those kind of things. You can download the book there or it's available on Amazon. And uh, the book is, at this point anyway, my best description of my overall philosophy, business philosophy and life philosophy and what we take through people through in nine months in our program. I think it's fabulous. The work you're doing is really, really so important. And I hope so. I hope so. Well, I <laughs> I think we need, we need to do something. Yeah, exactly. You're doing, you're living in your purpose. Well, I couldn't sit by and say, you know, and I'm not a politician. I'm not a podcaster. I just said, you know, what can I do? Well, I'm a businessman. This is how we did it. Why don't we tell the story to how other people could, could take a recipe and get started. It won't be exactly our story. Our example doesn't have to be cooked exactly that way, but to get, get a path to, making a difference for your business and your family and your community and, and still making a profit. That's so great. Are you on LinkedIn? I am. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to spell your last name so yeah. that people can find great. you. That'd be Eric, awesome. Eric, E-R-I-C. And the yeah. last name is Holzapple, H-O-L-S-A-P-P-L-E. And uh, awesome. if 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to invite our audience members to reach out to you on LinkedIn. Please, that'd be awesome. You, that'd to be find awesome. you at livinginthegap.org and to look for your book uh Profit with Presence. Love all of that. Eric, thank you for joining me. This has been really good. Really a pleasure good. pleasure for me too, Dr. P. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, my guest today was Dr. I just found that out. Doctor with your doctorate in economics, Dr. Eric holds the apple. Really great to having you here. Thank you. Uh, This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach, the president of Dynamic Leader Incorporated. And I will see you here next time. Thanks for tuning in. Please like and share this podcast, uh, looking to get some some even greater growth. And you do that by spreading the word that we exist. So thanks for doing that. All right, we'll see you here next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor.